Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, always a pleasure to have you. I, 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 I got to move on from Nashville, but I got wound up on, on stuff last hour. And, and I do want to spend just a moment on the gun issue. Um, I, I want to l- let me just play you some of the commentary that has come out in the last 24 hours on this. Uh, this is Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. We have had a president who has acted on this. I know you were asking me about executive actions. What else can we do? This president has taken more executive actions on gun violence safety than any president before him. And he has done that in two years. Just earlier this month, we took an, another executive action. We signed the Safer's Community. He signed the Safer's Community Act, which was bipartisan, something that he pushed for, which we hadn't seen in 30 years. But guess what? As we're seeing, we need to do more. And I've heard this theme throughout the show this morning, which is courage. We need Republicans in Congress to show some courage. This is what they owe these parents. This is what they owe these family members who are losing their loved ones, they need to show courage. We need gun safety laws, comprehensive gun safety laws. We need to to ban assault rifles. Those weapons of war do not belong in our streets. They do not belong in schools. And again, this is unacceptable, and you're going to continue to hear from the president call this out. Tying it to Republicans' failures to act, this this is uh, Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe. Are they really going to say to that child, well, there's just nothing you can do. We can just pray it doesn't happen. Well, that's what, that, that's what they're saying, you see, and that's the thing. Is that what you're going to say to they, your child? That's what they always say. When, when people go to a country music concert and get gunned down from, from, from a, a, a tall building from a hotel and are literally just sitting ducks shot and gunned down and, and, and slaughtered for going to a country music concert, that's what they say when people go to church in Texas. So you don't even want to and, try. And, and, and parishioners are gunned down. That's what they say. Uh, when people go to synagogues in Pittsburgh and are gunned down there, that's what they say. When they go to grocery stores in Buffalo, that's what they say. When our children, uh, since Sandy Hook, have lived in a world of absolute horror where where where. These horrid, horrid stories uh, change their lives, impact their lives emotionally, uh, invade their dreams. They don't want to hear anything, despite the fact that those of us who are gun owners, those of us who have always been supporters and defenders of the Second Amendment, understand that something has gone radically wrong over the past quarter century. Something has, but it's not about the guns. Here's a little more. They want to focus on everything but the real issue, which is uh, easy access to guns in this country. Uh, I'm the parent of a trans kid. I can tell you that I'm terrified right now. And it isn't just easy access to guns, but it is these lawmakers who are essentially putting targets on these kids' backs. Ah, yes, the lawmakers putting targets on these kids' backs. Ed Davis on MSNBC. You just can't go to these scenes and see the things 
um, that I've seen over the course of my career without um, thinking that, that this is that's part of the solution. Uh, mental health is a, is a very serious part of it, but these weapons that are built for the battlefield should not be in the hands of civilians. And, and, um, and, and so um, I absolutely support that. I, I think uh, we had an assault weapons ban here for a number of years. Uh, it, it, it worked. Um, you know, he says that, uh, but Columbine happened during the assault weapons ban. I don't want to be dismissive of the concerns of people who want to ban uh, AR-15s. They don't know a lot about guns. The AR-15 is not nearly as powerful as some other civilian-owned guns. The AR does not stand for assault rifle, as the media would have you believe. It actually stands for Armalite. The Armalite 15, it's the most common rifle owned in this country. You're not going to ban them because we have something called the Second Amendment. And long barrel rifles, including the AR, are legal under the Second Amendment. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. There are those who say we should do a gun buyback program like Australia or New Zealand. The problem is those countries don't have the Second Amendment. And this is my genuine and honest frustration with the gun control conversation in this country. Everyone who offers a solution who is a gun control advocate does so as if the Second Amendment does not exist. In this country, we have a Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, and you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. Gun control advocates who suggest we do gun buyback programs and ban rifles or handguns because that's what Australia and New Zealand did just seem absolutely ignorant of the fact that those countries don't have a Second Amendment that we have. If you're going to propose a policy solution, you need to propose a policy solution based on the legal framework we have in this country, not in countries that don't have a Second Amendment. Could you do expanded background checks? Maybe so. Perhaps we should have the debate, except an expanded background check would not have stopped this shooter. In fact, in multiple cases, we have found that these gun control arguments offered would not have actually stopped the violence. You will recall in Newtown, Connecticut, in that awful tragedy, the shooter killed his mother and used her guns. Could a law have been designed to prevent his mother from having bought those guns? No, not under the Second Amendment. It could have delayed her purchases, but the purchases were all prior purchases. In Texas, at that church shooting, the individual should not have been able to buy his guns because he had been dishonorably discharged from the Air Force. But the Air Force screwed up the file, so he was allowed to buy the guns that he wouldn't have been allowed to buy the guns had the government bureaucracy done what it needed to do. Was the Second Amendment involved? Not really in that situation. There was a bureaucratic governmental screw-up. I don't fault the people who want gun control because they are trying to find a solution to what they see as violence in this country. But so many of the solutions they offer are solutions that don't work when you have a Second Amendment. Many of them wish to ban what they call assault weapons, which are essentially spooky-looking guns. 
We had an assault weapons ban in this country. It was passed during the Clinton administration when the Democrats also controlled Congress. And do you know what happened? Columbine, where the young men used handguns and shotguns, which none of these positions or policy proposals would ban. And let's talk about handguns for a moment, because all of the proposed bans deal with rifles. They don't actually deal with handguns. Handguns are the most common gun used in shootings in this country. So essentially what they're proposing is to stop people from buying the guns that are actually less likely to be used in gun violence than the guns that actually are. And of the guns they want to ban, the AR-15s is the specific one they single out because it looks like a military weapon, even though it's not actually a military weapon. What actually happens, what actually goes on is that the more powerful guns that are out there, the long, the, the rifles, they're not even touching them. I have multiple ARs in my house. Wouldn't go deer hunting with them. They're not powerful enough. a lot of handguns in my house too. Now I say this as someone who doesn't like guns and you do need to know that. Don't like guns. I'm scared of guns. I've had friends who've been killed with guns. Accidents and suicides. One murder. I don't like them. In 2016, we had people show up at our home who meant us harm. And my wife and I went from having no guns to many guns. We took classes and we trained and we went to gun ranges. It was a necessity. And as the crime wave has grown in this country over the last several years, more and more Americans have bought guns particularly in the non-white community, as there have been growing calls by rich white people to defund police. More and more non-white people bought guns. Many people now have handguns in this country. And the solutions for gun control rarely deal with handguns. None of the solutions have dealt with the Second Amendment. Maybe we need the conversation on expanded background checks. Maybe Congress can pass something. There are some Republicans in the Senate who favor it. I don't know that you can get 60 votes. But would an expanded background check have kept this person? Not unless you're going to recognize that transgenderism is a mental health issue. That's the provocative one that we're going to have to grapple with particularly those who want an assault weapons ban in this country, if you want to restrict handguns from people with mental health issues, well, guess what? Transgenderism is a mental health issue. Or are you going to start excluding from mental health issues those mental health issues you want to normalize? There are people in this country who want to normalize eating disorders. There are people in the country who want to normalize alcoholism. It's just a disease. It's not a mental health issue. It's not a substance abuse issue. How are we going to deal rationally and honestly with these things? A lot of people are looking for a solution, and they try to make it very simple. If you would do this one thing, it would have stopped this. But would it have? Probably not. I don't blame people for grasping for solutions. I don't get mad at people who call for gun control. I understand the impulse to want to ban the guns. The problem is in the United States of America, You can't do a gun buyback program and confiscate and ban all the other guns. 
Australia can and New Zealand can and Scotland can and Canada can and other countries can, and we can't because we have a Second Amendment. So either find a way to get two-thirds of both houses of the Congress and three-quarters of the states to agree or find another way. And I would suggest to you you're not going to find another way because the issue we're dealing with is not a gun control issue. It's an issue of spirituality and evil. And you're not going to find a law that compels people to find some sort of spiritual nature or find God or embrace God because we have the First Amendment on that one. So unless you're willing to change hearts and change minds and draw people to some greater cause than themselves, you're not going to do this. But you know a really simple solution that might have stopped this and could stop other ones? Put armed guards in schools. That would work. But you will also notice the people who insist we do gun control, they're not willing to consider taking that one simple step that could prevent these things more effectively than grappling with gun control. And you might need to ask yourself, why is that? I have not only converted my entire family to bull and branch sheets, but a lot of my friends as well, because I actually believe in them. You can feel the craftsmanship. And the amazing thing is that these sheets get softer every time you wash them. Don't believe me. Give them a try right now. You can get early access to bull and branches spring sale. You use code Eric. That would be my name. E R I C K and get 20% off today at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch B O L L A N D branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Exclusions apply. See the site for details. I got to tell you guys, these sheets are designed for incredible night sleeps. They're made without toxins. They're free from synthetic pesticides, formaldehydes, harsh chemicals. They fit really deep mattresses. And I've got a thick mattress, and they don't shrink up, which is great. Take care of the sheets. The sheets take care of you, and you get a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. And right now, use code ERIC to take 20% off today at BolandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com, promo code ERIC. I forgot about the voiceover. It is Eric Erickson here. John Drake, chief of police in Nashville, having a press conference right now. Let's go listen to some of this. Well, if we can. Talks about um, the school. There was a map of the school, a drawing of how uh, potentially she would enter and the assaults that would take place. Uh, there's it's quite a bit of uh, writing to it. I have not read the whole the entire manifesto. Our team and the FBI has been working uh, on this. Chief, can you clarify where exactly the victims were located? You mentioned the common area, but were they all together, the students and the adults at the same time? Where were they in the building? So they were spread out in different locations. When I went into the actual church, uh, the kids had already been transferred transported to the hospital. Also, uh, the two of the adults, I did see the head uh, school uh, person, and uh, she was uh, in the hallway uh, by the office. That's the only one. They were spread out, wasn't in one common area, 
but they will spread out. Chief, did the state have other the response in terms of targeting other buildings, other places? There was some writings in the manifesto about other locations, but as far as it being an actual target, uh, I can't confirm that at this time. Chief, can we talk about your body cam footage? Did you feel like your officers did everything right? Amber Walker with CNN. Just about the six victims who were killed. Where exactly were they? Were they walking through the hallway? That's the press conference now. The chief answering questions from reporters there. One of the questions I am interested in, and we may find out from this person's manifesto, is... Was there a current relationship between the shooter and people at the school or the church? That, that I think, will be interesting. We do know that the shooter had legally purchased seven guns. And this gets to the point I was making on gun control is what law could you pass that would have prevented the shooter from buying the seven guns in light of the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. What what law could you pass? I Again, I understand people's desire to ban guns to prevent these things from happening and round up and buy back prior guns. But according to the Supreme Court, we have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. It's an individual right. You get to buy rifles and handguns, uh, and there's not much you can do to get around that as a constitutional right unlike abortion, which was never written into the Constitution, this one explicitly is. I mean, you could never read the American Constitution and the amendments thereto and find a right to an abortion. You can very easily find the right to keep and bear arms in the Constitution, even as you argue over what it means, the words are actually there. So how do you proceed? If you can't ban guns, which you can't do, how do you proceed? And I don't know that even I have the answer to that, but it's something we got to come up with. And I would suggest, again, don't look for a political solution to deal with a spiritual problem, which is what we're actually dealing with. It is Eric Erickson, my real name, no less. You'd be amazed at the number of people who think it's some sort of stage name. Nope, it's my dad and his 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 dad. Goes back a long way. Now. The phone number here is 877-973-7425. Want to go to the phones? Bob, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Eric. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome. But uh, What I'd like to say is I've been watching for many years as our elected officials, certain ones, have turned away from enforcing the very rules and uh, laws that are to help protect us from the problems of guns and to hopefully stop things like what happened yesterday. And uh, in return, we're seeing now as uh, a violent element starting to become emboldened and feel like they can do anything they want to. And to top it off, we're trying to stop guns, but simple fact, people carry guns, the average person carries guns when they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And since about 2008, gun sales have skyrocketed. In yeah, and in the last few years, they, they really went up. Yeah, definitely. You go to the other countries, England, 
uh, Australia, they had guns, but mainly the gentry had the guns. The common person did not. Mm-hmm. And they had very strict laws, and they enforced those laws. And if you go over there and start messing around, they will enforce those laws. <laughs> uh, and so they never really had a need for weapons. The United States was a different animal as the colonies and in wild territory, everybody wanted guns to protect themselves. As we moved west, the East Coast stopped carrying guns for the most part. It was on the frontier where everybody had the guns. Yeah, you know that, and that's a good point, Bob. And, and I'm going to let you know that your your phone's kind of kind of garbly here, um, but I appreciate it. And I mean, you do have to understand that the right to keep and bear arms is not some of the founders pulled out a whole cloth. Uh, it is actually in the English Bill of Rights. And uh, brief history lesson for those of you who've never heard this. There's a great book called The Ideological Origins of the American Revolution. It's an academic book, but it's easily accessible by a guy named Bernard Balin, who won an award for this book, The Ideological Origins of the American Revolution. See, the founders believed they were Englishmen, and they were kind of horrified to find out that the British did not view them as British, but American, something they otherized them. And they believed, as British citizens, they were entitled to the rights of the English Bill of Rights of 1689. The British had fought a the Glorious Revolution. No one died. They restored the monarchy. Uh, or no, 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 I'm sorry. They, they chased out James II. This is later. Uh, they chased out James II. They brought in William and Mary, uh, who agreed to the English Bill of Rights, asserted the primacy of Parliament, Uh, no taxation without uh, parliament, and guaranteed the right to keep and bear arms of the English noblemen. A lot of our Bill of Rights comes from the English Bill of Rights, including the right to keep and bear arms. We have expanded it, magnified it, and put it into our constitutional document. The British have no constitution, no written constitution. Uh, And as a result, ours is binding on our federal government. Uh, it was only in the last decade, two decades, that uh, in the last decade, the Heller decision, the uh, written by Antonin Scalia before he died, that the Second Amendment was applied to the states. There's something called the incorporation doctrine. The incorporation doctrine takes the Bill of Rights through the 14th Amendment and applies it to the states. Each individual section of the Bill of Rights has to be incorporated against the states. The Second Amendment never had been incorporated against the states until the Heller decision. Everyone knew it would be. In fact, for a number of years, uh, gun groups blocked matters going to the Supreme Court or tried to prevent them from going to the Supreme Court to avoid the Heller decision. Ultimately, the District of Columbia had a very aggressive anti-gun legislation, and the Heller decision said there is an individual right to keep and bear arms. And a subsequent decision that applied that right to the states. D.C. didn't matter, federal federal district, uh, but it was declared an individual right to keep and bear arms, and a companion case applied it to the states. That now means that uh, you got to figure out a way around that Second Amendment to do anything, and that's a very difficult situation. Now, I want to move on to a different matter here. Um. And this one, your cheery topics for the day, and I'm happy to take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. But let, let me deal with this issue real quick. 
I have maintained for some time that this is the biggest issue of our time. And there is now polling on it. If you've listened to me for at least the last five years, I've talked about this. This is a poll of 1,019 adults conducted um, by the Wall Street Journal. And it's highlighted by Axios. Americans' confidence that life for their children's generation will be better than it has been for them. 78% say they do not feel confident their children will have a better life than they have. 21% feel confident their children will have a better life than they have. This is the most important issue of our day. I get the sense, and I think there's data to back it up, and I think this poll backs it up, that most Americans are giving up on the United States of America. And most Americans see the political class in Washington trying to cash in and check out before China takes over. And if the political class is cashing in and checking out, why shouldn't everyone else? There is this idea that is very common and articulated very often on the right that the rich write checks, the poor can't cash. What they mean by that is when you look at the lifestyle of the rich, I know very wealthy people. I know very wealthy people who live hedonistic lifestyles that the average middle class or poor American could never lead. But the average middle class and poor American, they look at these rich people and say, if they can do it, I can do it. Rich people in cocaine. That's a, it, it actually is a very good example. I am shocked by the number of wealthy Americans who regularly use cocaine. Secular elite in Washington, in New York, in Los Angeles, who are regular dabblers in cocaine. So common is it now that a lot of rich people in New York, Washington, L.A., they carry fentanyl test strips to make sure their cocaine doesn't have fentanyl. You try to, the middle class, the poor, getting addicted to cocaine, good luck with that. Sex. The number of wealthy people who have indiscriminate, regular sexual relations, unprotected, they get pregnant, they can pay for their abortions. Good luck with that if you're poor or middle class. The rich, for example, in this country, they can live a lifestyle where they get to tell everyone else exactly what they think. They can live a crass and vulgar life insulting other people. Good luck with that if you're a poor middle class. And what the poor the middle class see in this country now is we increasingly have an aristocracy. We increasingly have in a country that should value meritocracy. We have a bunch of rich, progressive white people say, well, we never really did have a meritocracy anyway. You've got a bunch of rich, progressive, secular people in this country saying, We'll let the government take care of you. It's not a coincidence. It is related to all of this stuff that is actually Christian believers in the United States who are the most generous to charity. A middle-class Christian gives more money in percentage of their salary than a rich person does. A rich, secular progressive in this country is less likely to give to charity than a poor Hispanic Christian. People of faith believe they have an obligation individually to take care of others. Rich white people believe they'll just let the government do it while they go off and screw around, do drugs, and have fun. And Americans see this. 
And Americans now see that the rich elite in this country, they don't want to share the country. In fact, while the Democrats claim that they're the party of the middle class and the Democrats claim they want the wealthy to pay their fair share, what you see is that the Democrats hang out with the wealthiest Americans and protect the privileges of the wealthiest Americans. I mean, you want you want to actually make Harvard more meritocratic? Get rid of legacies. Stop giving priority to Harvard grads' kids getting into Harvard. That'll never happen because the Harvard grad knows that his diploma doesn't mean he's smarter than everyone else. It means he's got a better networking opportunity than everyone else, and the rich don't want to give up their networking opportunities. They're all about the meritocracy until you come for their privilege. They're all about white privilege until you call out their privilege. In fact, the entire design of the secular, wealthy, rich in America is to protect themselves and get as much as they can and throw the table scraps to everyone else. And we're seeing this more and more in the country. And Americans are realizing they've been had by the rich and the political elite. The rich and the political elite in this country have given up on America. They think China's on the rise. It's their time. We can't stop them. They might as well get as rich as they can and protect their money at the expense of everyone else. And the middle class in this country is starting to give up on the idea that their children will have better opportunity than them in large part because of the policies of Washington and New York. I got to tell you, I think there's an opportunity here for a politician who goes after the wealthy, not from the standpoint of class warfare per se, but from the standpoint of these people have protected their privileges, go after the Harvards with their billion-dollar endowments that can't pay for the uh, student loans of their students, but instead make the middle class and the blue-collar workers of America pay for the student loans. Go after the businesses in this country, the Silicon Valley types, who got a bank bailout for themselves and their businesses, and then had the Secretary of Treasury say, well, we're not going to bail out the credit unions of America that the middle class use. Go after the double standard. You want to convince the middle class in this country that their children will have a better life than them? You've got to break up the monopolies of the wealthy. There's nothing anti-conservative with breaking up the monopolies of the wealthy and privileged in this country. There is a level of class warfare that's not really class warfare where you can do this, where you can point out that Democrats have protected the elite. You've got to break down the shibboleths of the elite It's not about spreading the wealth around. It's about allowing David to slay Goliath. In this country, at this time, Goliath votes Democrat, has ensured that all of his picks have been the the political appointees of Washington, D.C., so that David goes to jail if he even thinks about slaying Goliath. All you need is a smart, savvy politician who can take this and articulate why people don't believe their children will have a better life, and then set policy goals to ensure that their children do. Most people aren't voting for their self-interest. They're voting for their children's self-interest. And you find a way to tap into that. You find a way to beat the Democrats pretty decisively at the legislative and the executive level. And the Democrats have put so many things in place to help the rich, the wealthy, the Silicon Valley donors It's easy pickings if you have a politician savvy enough to do it, and they should. We should not have a class of Americans who've given up on America. 
but too many of the rich have, and that is reflected in the lives of everyone else. A great group that is actually tackling this issue by funding good conservative candidates to take on the wealthy is Patriot Mobile. They do it by taking a portion of their profits and growing the conservative movement. And all they need you to do is something very easy. Take your existing cell phone service and go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric and move it today. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. You move your cell phone service to Patriot Mobile. You grow their profits. They grow the conservative causes you care about. The First Amendment movement, the Second Amendment movement, the pro-life movement, veterans and first responders, conservative candidates for school boards around the country. Patriot Mobile is getting attacked by the left for being too darn effective at beating woke school board members with conservative candidates. They help fund those conservative parents. And all you got to do is move your cell phone service to them and you get guaranteed great service. They're probably using the same cell towers you're already using. You go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric today or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You're talking with a company that they're Christian conservatives. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, and they actually want your business. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 972-PATRIOT. Hello, America. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia And they don't care if you're in Portland, Oregon or Portland, Maine. They want to help your business grow. They've been doing this since the 1990s. If you need access to large loans like $750,000 or more because you're buying a business or you're building a building or growing a business or buying a franchise, they want to be able to help you. They might be able to get to yes, where a lot of lenders are saying no. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. They might be able to help you. So I I got an email uh, from a listener from Jimmy. Uh, Let me read you. Yep, Jimmy, I I read your email myself. Uh, And Jimmy says, I am an Atlanta native, have listened to and enjoyed your show. Since your evening drive time on WSB, we agree more than we disagree. I consider myself a conservative, but I don't get the TikTok fear. All I see on my feed is comedian sports clips and, yes, scantily clad women with a shrugging hands emoji. The only trans stuff I've ever seen on my feed is making fun of it or disapproving of the trans phenomenon. Not sure which friends you have that are telling you about all the trans uh, videos on TikTok, but maybe you're right about deviant thoughts from people you wouldn't really expect it from. Just a thought, because every time you go off on TikTok, Rand, I can't relate to it. Okay. I scroll daily, never see the pro-trans stuff or the anti-American videos. Love the show, though, man. Um, Great point. Uh, Anecdotes, not data. Uh, your algorithm feed may not be showing you these things. That's true. But here's the problem with TikTok. It, it, it's not so much what the Chinese choose to show you or don't. Uh, you're also not seeing any of the pro-Hong Kong democracy stuff and things like that. What is happening, though, Jimmy, is that everything you search is going to Beijing. And you may say, well, it's no big deal. I'm not a security threat. And that may be well for you. But is it for the businessman? Or the businessman who has a kid who's on TikTok and they know where the businessman is because the kid's traveling around or they're able to use the microphone to hear the dad's conversations. All these things are documented to be happening with TikTok. Uh, Journalists have been surveilled just by what they're watching on TikTok and geolocating them and listening to them through their microphone while they're on TikTok. All these things are happening. These are documented things that are happening to TikTok. You may be no security threat, and you may not care. You may enjoy it, and I understand that. But in the greater sum of all things, do you really want to be using an app that we have documented proof 
is being used by the Chinese Communist Party to build profiles of individual Americans, including you, and is being used to target and follow uh, journalists, politicians, business executives, teachers, Chinese dissidents. All of these things are being documented. Is it worth it for your entertainment to allow the Chinese to build a massive database on all of us and record your conversations and your movements and what you're searching on their application when you could be doing the exact same thing on Instagram and other applications and surely Elon Musk should bring back Vine, which going away led to the rise of TikTok anyway. That's the concern there, Jimmy. It's not you individually and what you're seeing or not. It's the totality of what China is doing with TikTok to people in the West who have no idea that they're being spied on by the Chinese Communist Party on a daily basis.